Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-Mac attack. McCaffrey, what man to beat? This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. Welcome into a preseason week two edition of Believe in Carolina Panthers. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my co-host, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated. Skylar, what's going on, man? We've had uh, two Panther preseason games in the books already, and I don't know how you feel about what you've seen so far. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting. Uh, I think kind of right now we're getting really a good feel for who's going to make that 53-man roster with only one preseason game left. And Matt Rule talked about it uh, following the game, that they're probably going to give the starters about a half of football against Pittsburgh on Friday. So a lot of these guys that are fighting for roster spots really needed to show themselves in those first two games because they're only going to get one half to do it this week. So, mm. um, But, yeah, I think there's been a lot of good. There's been a lot of bad uh, in terms of the results. I mean, again, it's preseason. The, the score really doesn't matter. This is all about evaluating right now and figuring out what you have and what you don't have and what you need to maybe go, you know, you know, add whether it's in free agency or maybe a trade or th- through the waiver wire, whatever the case may be. But um, I think it's kind of gone as expected so far. This is a very young team still trying to figure out who, what their identity is going to be. And we won't really get to see that until obviously we get into the regular season and the regular guys are playing every snap. So it's kind of a, a reverse type of uh, situation from what we normally expect in preseason. Cause usually yes, in the third game, the starters usually play the whole half and then, uh, by third quarter, they're all back out. Um, and then fourth game of the preseason, that's usually kind of the the domain of those guys at the end of the roster. Uh, they get a chance to maybe prove one final thing before. They don't have a fourth game this season uh, due to the regular season moving to 17 games. So it's going to also leave like a 16-day gap in between uh, when Carolina plays uh, Saturday versus Pittsburgh to week one of the actual regular season. So you're absolutely right, Skylar, that it's going to, you know, some of these guys are only going to have some a little more uh, opportunity to shine uh, in the second half of this contest. Um, for today's show, of course, we're going to take uh, mine and Skylar's uh, takeaways from uh, the Panthers versus Ravens that uh, happened this past weekend. And then we'll also give you our Panthers Mount Rushmore. Uh, we'll we'll try to uh, – this was actually harder than I thought. Uh, <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> I had to leave a couple guys off I felt really bad about. So I started making up other things like, well, that guy deserves a statue and this guy deserves it. So like, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to we'll find a spot a for everybody. Bit. Yeah. We're trying to find a spot for everybody. So we're gonna do a Panthers Mount Rushmore here in a preseason edition of uh, believe in Panthers. Before we do that though, we do need to take time uh, and give a word to one of our sponsors and that's bet online. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship Bet Online has the, all the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website now or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Um, let's do a let's do a little back and forth here. You give me a takeaway, I give you a takeaway type of thing. Um, I'll let you start it off here, Skylar. Um, 
let's do a couple takeaways from Panthers versus Ravens. The Ravens victorious, twenty to three winners over the uh, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I think the elephant in the room is the quarterback situation behind Sam Darnold. So I'll address that first. You know, I think Will Greer probably played his best football since he's turned into a pro and has been here in Carolina. He won 11 of 14, 144 yards. He really seemed comfortable. He had a lot of poise. He he really seemed just confident in the pocket, didn't seem to be flustered or anything by that Ravens defense. And, you know, Desmond, I'm probably going to tick a lot of people off when I say this, but (laughs) – I, I do not see why everyone is so enamored with P.J. Walker. I don't get it. I, I'm not just saying that because what he did this past Saturday, but it even goes back to the the previous week's game against the Colts. It goes to his start against the uh, Detroit Lions last year when he threw two picks in their end zone. I, I just don't see it. I, I, I get the, the fascination of a quarterback that can run the ball. I get that. But you have to be able to throw the ball if you're a quarterback. And if you can't throw the ball very well, you're not going to last in the league. And I I just don't see why people get so excited about P.J. Walker. He's never going to be a starter in the league. Neither is Will Greer. We're talking about these guys being the backup quarterback. And to me, I just feel like Will Greer, at least through these first two preseason games, has shown that he's probably more capable of going in, completing passes at a high percentage. I mean, if you look at what he did at West Virginia, That West Virginia offense was a lot of dink and dunk, find the easy completions, and then also hit some long shots down the field. What did Joe Brady do at LSU? It's the exact same thing. Right. I think they they, those two now that they've got a year together to work to um you know to kind of understand each other. I think you're seeing that progress in his development. And I I I don't know. I don't know if the Panthers are going to keep three quarterbacks on the roster or not. But I mean, he he definitely made it a tough decision. Um, for Scott Fitter and Matt Rule after that performance on Saturday. P.J. Walker, interesting stat here. Dating back to his final drive against the Colts is now one of 15 for eight yards. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty eye-opening. And do you think it's just because of his previous relationship with Coach Rule and Temple or or Baylor? I can't remember which one it was to play for him underneath. It seems like that's kind of the reason why he's still on the team. Uh, I, I'm kind of questioning the coaching staff in terms of how they evaluate quarterbacks in general, like right now. Like one of my uh, takeaways from this game, how much of a leash does Matt Rule really have? Because I think people think when the owner, David Tepper, gave him the seven-year deal for $60-plus million that he was pretty much safe uh, you know, for a good bit of time. And I, I do think that he's, in his head he probably has about a three-year window because pretty much every place he's went, and rebuilt the place. It took him about three years to do so. So if yeah. he's on track here in Carolina, they should be around 500 when the season is over with. And then year three is when they take the leap. And it does look like they've got things in place to do that. However, there are things that the Panthers do, and I have to trace it back to coaching because it's actual calls, like, like plays that they've done. Going back to last year, where I just kind of scratched my head, and I'm like, I don't remember year one and year two of Ron Rivera, I don't remember questioning Rivera as much as I have Matt Rule. Like some of the things yeah. that he has done, uh, it was just almost with Rivera. It was like I felt like I was getting in like street fights on Facebook with strangers, <laughs> like defending this dude when uh when he first got in there. And of course, ultimately that paid off. And Rivera, you know, one of the greatest coaches in franchise history. But I'm not catching that vibe yet from Matt Rule. It's almost like I want to defend him. But then they do something, and I'm like, I can't figure out why they did that. Like, I can't figure out why 
the the one series that Sam Darnold played on Saturday, they get down to the goal line, and on third down and fourth down, they try to run the ball in uh, with Chuba, with Chuba Hubbard, and I'm like, let's see what this preseason. Let's see yeah. what Sam Darnold can do in a goal line situation. I know that you know DJ Moore's banged up. I know that Robbie Anderson's banged up. Terrence Marshall's been showing out in preseason. You still got targets out there. They've got exactly. According to Matt Rule, they got six uh, six tight ends on the roster here. So, <laughs> and I'm going to play this audio of Matt Rule in the press conference. Our uh, our buddy Joe Person from the Athletic asked him a question about what was going on down there at the goal line, and this was uh, Coach Rule's response. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to run our base stuff. He didn't have the, the goal line packages out there, you know, and all those different things. You know, um, uh, we're trying to you know, we're trying to save our tight ends a little bit. We never play the whole game, and so uh, you know, we only have six of them. So uh, just uh, just. Ran plays, you know, again, we want our guys to get their pads down. We want you to try to run through some contact and go score. So it's not only something where we're game planning it and trying to be tricky. We're, you know, we're trying to run good old-fashioned football plays, get in. And so, um, you know, we threw the one pass, but even on fourth and one in the season, maybe that's a run pass option or something. Right now we're trying to establish, you know, can we get that yard or not? We didn't get that yard tonight. So that's, that's something that we have to improve upon as a team. See, I have a problem with that, Skylar, because it's almost yeah. like, it's almost like he's saying, oh, well, we could have did some other stuff that we know probably could have worked. But instead, we just tried to go, just run at the pile and see if we can move it one yard and we failed. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like you got <laughs> that all last year. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? All the all the uh, red zone and goal line situations they had. And in the end, ultimately, we kind of blame Teddy Bridgewater for a lot of it as he left town. Maybe Teddy was right. Remember his parting shots when he left town? They didn't practice yes. the goal line situations. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. And uh we just kind of brush that off like, well, pff, what coach wouldn't practice goal on situations? Teddy must just be making stuff up. I'm starting to remember those words a little <laughs> bit more as we watch this team. I'm like, do they practice goal on situations or do they just expect the talent to overwhelm whoever on defense and push themselves in? So that was my first takeaway from it. How much of a leash does he really have? Because if they finish, I don't know, four and set, uh, four and uh, 13 or whatever this year, does David Tepper set, you know, go through another year three, year four with this guy? Or does yeah, Tepper look at it like I got enough money to pay him off and go get somebody else? Yeah, I think I think you're still looking at, you know, three to four years um at the very minimum to see kind of where he's getting this this organization to go. Cause that's what the blueprint has said, you know, for Matt Rule rebuilds. Is like as, as you mentioned, year three is when you start to kind of get back to competitive football, and then you take that big step in year four. So We'll see what happens. Um, I, I don't know, but I, I mean, I agree with you. I, 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 I still figure that they would have had Sam throw the ball in that situation. Um, but you know, who knows? Maybe they're they're trying not to, to you know, get as many hits on Sam. I, I'm not really sure. I kind of, you know, scratching my head at it when it happened too. Um, and, and quickly going back before I go to my second point, going back to that mm-hmm. backup job, uh, quarterback battle. If you really think about it, you know, Will Greer, the Charlotte kid, right? Everyone you know, when he was drafted, was kind of upset about the situation because Cam was still here. I just feel like he's never got a fair shot. And when you look at, you know, going through his rookie season, he had he got beat out by Kyle Allen for the backup job. And then when he, you know, started to fail, he got thrown into the mix at the end of the season against the Colts in an unfair situation. Greg Olson talked about it. And then that coaching staff that drafted him got fired. So now they're gone. Year two comes around. The pandemic is now here. He has no preseason uh, games to to put you know something on tape for the new coaching staff. He didn't have a regular offseason. He had to sit all of last year pretty much 
because you know PJ Walker has that familiarity with Matt Rule. So this is really his first, I, I think, fair equal opportunity to really prove himself. That's a good and, point. And I think he's done a good job. And especially, again, you can go back and say, yeah, yeah, he threw this many interceptions as a rookie. He's a rookie and in a very unfair situation. And most rookies in that situation would have failed. I don't care who you are. We've even seen guys like Joe Burrow and stuff like that have very tough days because of that situation they're in. So, and, and the number one example is Sam Darnold, who's now the starter with the Panthers, but he had a terrible situation with the Jets. And just imagining stretching that out from, you know, from Greer's yeah. starts, he had a rookie year, stretching that over three years and, and yeah. say that's what Sam Darnold had with the Jets. So, yeah. uh, but anyways. Not to not to ramble on the back of quarterback spot because it is what it is. But the number two thing that stood out to me is, man, Frankie Louvu is a playmaker. Mm. I mean, I I did not expect him to come in and have this big impact on a defense. I figured he'd be a good special teamer, good quality backup linebacker. But I think he's making a case to see the field more and more often. He got a couple of pressures on the quarterback, had that batted ball. He came up with a forced fumble. I just felt like he was very active, and and this is a guy I think you're going to start to see play more and more, and maybe even as the season goes on, could potentially take over a starting spot in that linebacking room. He, I, I like that they're trying to figure out uh, depth because that's one of the things that this team did not have last year, and we saw it really around the middle of the year when uh, we started having a lot of injuries. Uh, there was just no one. They were literally pulling guys off the street, um, and due to you know, and due to like uh, COVID and everything else with the weird 2020 season, they almost kind of get a, the coaching staff and the the front office. They almost kind of get a mulligan to me for uh, last year. Uh, the fact that they even won five games is remarkable to me, considering it is everything <laughs> that happened. Um, so I do love. That's the one thing I do love about preseason. I'm not into it as much this year as I have in previous years, but typically I love uh, finding those dudes like Frankie, like the guys that like you never would have heard of that get a chance to shine and, and they do it in the preseason. Now, usually, you know, it's just in the preseason. If they do make it to the regular season, you got a couple of guys in league history, like a Victor Cruz or someone that blew up in preseason and then went on to like bigger things uh, with their team. Rarely does it happen, uh, but I do love the storyline of a guy kind of breaking through uh, in that manner. Um, speaking of somebody that might be losing their job some, sometime soon, my second takeaway from uh, <laughs> from Panthers versus Ravens is Joey Sly going to make the 53-man roster? I feel like every time That's, I see him, I'm yeah. like, he's missing something. And I'm like, dude, how many times can you miss a, a kick and still have a job? Do they even have a other, another kicker in camp? It's just him, isn't it? Yeah, it's just him, and that's actually that was actually my third point. So we were on the same page <laughs> yeah, here. It's, it's crazy. It, yeah, they they have not had a kicker in camp, and they they had. If you remember last year, they kept revolving some, or you know bringing in different guys almost every other week, and this year they haven't done that. They they raved about his his um, his mental toughness and the stuff that he's done with the sports psychologist and stuff like that, but he just hasn't turned the corner, and it's just I don't know. If it's just because it's preseason, I don't I don't know what the deal is. But honestly, Joey Sly is running out of excuses and he's running out of chances right now with this coaching staff. And you know, it's crazy because I thought that Joey was fairly accurate. It, it was just after you get past like 50 yards is when he started yeah. having issues. But now it's starting to feel like he's not accurate. That's why I wanted to go back and look and see what he's done. He's I mean, touchbacks 90%. That's I mean, that's fantastic. He 
Last year, he was 29 for 36, 80% clip. And uh, I believe three of two or three, I know two for a fact. I'm not sure if there was a third, but remember, he had a couple of those like 65, 68 right. yard kicks. The, the Kansas City one yeah. last year comes to mind immediately. It would have been like an NFL record or something if he hit it. It was like, yeah, a I, think the, I think there was one in New Orleans as well. Mm-hmm. It was like a 65 yarder. What's the deal with head coach Matt Rule? Trotting jo- uh, Joey Sloth plus yard field goals. Have they seen him do this a bunch in practice? And they're like, "Well, we know Joey can hit it from sixty. We're already at ha- we're at midfield. Let's just send Joey out there and see what yeah. happens." <laughs> they did that in the first game, and I'm like, "Why are we sixty five yard field goals in preseason? Like, do something else." But yeah, uh, I think <laughs> I think with with that too, they they look at Joey Sly. He's a power kicker. Like he he has the leg. There's no question about it. I mean, you look at him. He looks like a a small linebacker, to be honest with you. But it's just sometimes when he kicks the ball, no one knows where it's going to go. So yeah. they're at, at those end of half end of game situations. They're thinking, okay, well, at least we we know he's going to get it there. It's just can he get it through the upright? So maybe that gives him more of a chance than a hail mary does. I don't know, but. I mean, I think – and also I think last year too, Teddy Bridgewater didn't have as strong as an arm um, as maybe Sam Darnold does. So I think that that thinking might change a little bit this year. The uh, Still talking with uh, about Joey Sly. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to clip the, the actual quote from uh, Coach Rule, but he did say in that press conference, quote, you have to produce, and so far Joey has not produced at the level we need him to. I think he would be the first guy to say that. We have to find a way to get over that hump with him. Uh, without mincing words, it kind of sounds like if you miss another one, buddy, you're you're out of here. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> you're gone. I, I do see that uh, from ProFootballRumors.com that the Giants kicker Ryan Santoso is generating some trade interest. Um, his name came up. Uh, who he's actually behind former Panther kicker Graham Gano uh, in New York. So ironic. Yeah, ironically, there. Uh, it, it looks like uh, the Giants might be looking to move him. There's a couple other teams that may need. A kicker such as the Patriots, um, their kicker Nick Folk is dealing with an injury, and uh, possibly uh, the Joe Judge Patriots connection could kind of help there. Um, but Carolina, I think at this point, they're not probably saying it out loud, but I would imagine they're probably looking around like, "Hey, yeah. who's out here that <laughs> we can bring in uh, to compete?" Because at this point, he's missed three in the preseason. We only played two games, and he's <laughs> he's missed three. <laughs> Uh, and now, granted, one of them was the 63-yarder or whatever, but uh, it's not looking good for Joey Sly. Um, no, and and really to go back to your point um, about, you know, kind of questioning Matt Rule and some stuff like that, but when you go into a season, he and, he, he and both Scott Fitterer have talked about it constantly, about how they're going to have competition in every position. They're going to always have their eye out for somebody and try to improve that roster. Why is kicking – you know, why is the kicking position – not have any competition or the punter position. I get Joseph Charlton's done a phenomenal job, but I think both should have a competitor in with in there with them during training camp because they need to be pushed. I mean, this this shouldn't just be you show up to training camp, you know you're the guy. I mean, especially in a position that really matters so much, field position, three points, you know, an extra point here and there could could really change things. I'm shocked that as deep as you know as much as they are about improving the roster and competition, they don't have competition in either of those two spots. Because there was kind of questions about Joey last year at the end of the year. Yeah. People were like, eh, Joey, should we keep him or not? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised too. I would have thought that maybe with all the moving around that Scott Fitterer did in the draft, that they would have took a flyer sixth, seventh round on a kicker. I mean, uh, especially yeah. when you draft a, a long snapper that they didn't really need. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. That, yeah. that could have been yeah. used on a kicker or a punter. <laughs> 
And I'm just kind of, I'm trying to reserve judgment on some of these because I'm starting to hear more and more pushback on the whole, I guess people are enamored with Justin Fields' week one performance. I'm like, ah, we messed up. We should have got him instead of J.C. Horn. Add that on to only seeing Sam Darnold for seven plays, two passes. People are getting a little antsy. Uh, it's like I, I kind of get it in terms of why they're not really playing Darnold as much because I know the O-line's still in flux, and you don't really want to throw him out there unless he's got all of his weapons around him. Uh, but on the other hand, I do kind of see the logic of fans are like, you know, yo, you told us that this guy was worth, you know, not picking a, a basically a top 10 draft pick quarterback in Justin Fields, and we haven't seen him yet. So basically it looks yeah. like we're going to see him uh, against Pittsburgh week three, which will be very interesting because I've got Pittsburgh kind of pegged as a top three defensive unit uh, going into this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they can and can't do uh, against the Steeler uh, defense here. Um, I did want to want us to get to the Panthers Mount Rushmore before we had to get out of here. I do need to let you guys know about Balance Seven. So, uh, Skylar, I don't know if you've heard, but apparently, former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. Hmm. I, was re- I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance Seven, and that's what's helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, quote, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. I couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that balance seven, seven is working. For him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I might need some of that. Someone's cool. got to get the hookup for us. Well, hey, cool thing, Skylar's that we've got a promotion running with balance seven right now, where if you go to their website, balance seven.com, that's with the number seven and use the code believe at checkout, you'll get a free four ounce bottle of my smooth skin with any purchase of balance seven products. That product retails at 1399. So I, I'd say it's worth it. Head to balance7.com. Use the code believe at checkout to get on the promotion. Um, I, I think Skylar's going to try it. I think I yeah, might. I'm, uh, I'm writing it, it down right now. Yeah, if it works for us, it'll work for you too. So that's. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> I'll let you guys know. <laughs> so let's. Uh, I wanted to uh, here at the very end. I wanted to get into in the preseason in particular. We typically do like some other topics besides just recapping the games. And one of the things that we didn't get a chance to do last year in season one was to try to pick a Panthers Mount Rushmore. Um, and I think it was still kind of. Emotions were still raw. Cam had been let go. Uh, Steve Smith had just kind of come back. Keekley retired last year. So, uh, like, there was a lot of raw emotions amongst the Panther fans going into it. And then, of course, COVID happened. So, um, I wanted to, I, I'm sure we probably have some of the same names on here. I wanted us to kind of give our four and then just kind of explain why, uh, or briefly for each one. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let you kick this off, Skylar. Uh, who did you put now? Matt Rushmore, of course, four. Of the most prominent or important Panther players that you could think of, who would you put on the Panthers Mount Rushmore if it was built today in 2021? Yeah, this was a very tough one because again, you only got four spots. I, I did two on each side of the ball, and I'll just go ahead and say that Sam Mills is not on this list. Me either. Yeah, yeah, he, I, I love and respect the heck out of him, but he was only a Panther for three seasons. He was in New Orleans for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with guys who've been around a little bit longer. So I'm going to go Cam Newton. I'm going Steve Smith. And on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go Julius Peppers and Luke Keekley. That's my four. Is it really? <laughs> <That's literally my> <laughs> four. <laughs> when you said two on each side, I was like, I think we picked the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> now, let me let me even do this. The guy that was hard for me to not put on here was Thomas Davis. Yes. Like, I kept trying to figure out a way to put him on there. I'm like, well, who do I take off? So to, to kind of uh, make peace with it, I think I've talked to you about this before in a franchise players segment. I would love if they made a statue of Thomas Davis to be on the other gate 
of yeah. America Stadium opposite Sam Mills. I think that would be po- perfect poetry. You have Sam Mills Garden, like the North Gate. You got Thomas Davis Garden, the South Gate. Because you get Luke one. Yeah, get Luke one. You know, like so you got all these like famous Panther linebackers, like statues, like outside, like at the gates or whatever. And it would just kind of, you know, it would hammer home the whole quote unquote the vault, that kind of thing. And and honestly, out of all these players, I think Thomas Davis kind of is the 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 living definition of keep pounding, you know, in terms yeah. of what he did during his career, what happened to him during his career. If I'm his not story's just, amazing. Yeah, I think he's still the only NFL player ever to come back from like three torn ACLs or something like that. So um I, I just couldn't put him ahead of Luke Keekley, who in my opinion is a top I don't know, top 10 middle linebacker of all time, possibly. Yeah. Definitely going into the Hall of Fame when he's due. Uh, I couldn't put him in front of Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers is top five in sacks. Exactly. <laughs> and he wouldn't even hear for what, like, he leave for, what, about eight years? Seven yeah. years, something like that. Went to the Packers, was at the Bears, came back home. I wouldn't have put Julius on this list if he had not returned back to the Panthers. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it was like, okay, he came home. Was he on? He was on the 2015 Panthers team, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he actually was here for both of the Super Bowl appearances for the Panthers. No other player can say that. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll let you know the offensive side with Newton and uh, and Smitty because both of them, I think uh, Steve Smith, I think, is eligible for the Hall of Fame next year. Do you think Smith's going to get in? Man, it's going to be t- – I mean, there's so many guys. If you ever look at some of those names on that list, it, it's going to be tough. But – I think he's got a chance. I don't think he's a first ballot guy, but I do think that he'll get in fairly soon. I, I think probably within the next, you know, couple of classes uh, or so, you'll see Steve Smith in there. He was just he, he was so reliable and so explosive. And if you remember when he came out of college, out of youth, no one expected Steve Smith to be the receiver he turned into be. Oh no way! Yeah, and yeah. Th- I think that's really kind of the, the. I mean, what was he draft? What was he drafted the third round? Third round, yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, so, I mean, he 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 not only exceeded expectations, but he blew him out of the water, became one of the, the greats in Panther history. Um, you just really can't say enough about him. And he's a class act, too. As much as he would talk trash on the field, he is one of the most down-to-earth people you, you'll ever see, hear, meet. And, and it's I think Steve Smith, uh, just you can't leave him off this list. I, I don't care what you say. And, and it was tough for me, too, because I, I also think Greg Olson deserves some consideration. Mm, yeah. Um, but I don't think he's quite on the level of, you know, Steve Smith and the other three. But And then, obviously, Cam Newton is just – he's Cam Newton. He is, like you said, for, for uh, Davis on the defense side of the ball, I think Cam Newton's kind of the – when you think of Carolina Panthers football and you think offense, to me, I think you just immediately think Cam Newton. I mean, that's just what he was – Led this organization to a you know Super Bowl appearance, fifteen and one uh, record, and when you look at the rosters that he had, they really weren't that talented. I mean, yeah. d- defensively, yes, but did not have the skill pieces that some of these other guys have had throughout their career. Um, but I, I just thought he was he was amazing, and it was honestly a shame to see him you know depart from Carolina a little bit too early. But um, it is what it is. But yeah, those are those are my four. I think that's part of the another part of the reason why I'm still kind of looking side out at Matt Rule is the way that Cam Newton situation was handled. We've kind of swept it under the rug at this point, but um, looking back on it, they probably been better off just keeping Cam, you yeah. know, here and just kind of going from there. But and like uh, and and kind of on that, like us, like if you go back to that year where all those decisions were made, you draft Will Greer in the third round 
again, like I said earlier, he had not have had a chance to prove himself until this year. In his third year in the league, he hadn't had a chance, a fair chance. If you let Cam stay around for, you know, that that's the last or this past season and maybe keep him this year, if and Greer kind of learns underneath of him, then you may be able to make that smooth transition and Greer maybe becomes a decent starting quarterback. But I don't think that's gonna happen now. I want I want two things. I want to go back to the Steve Smith thing because I went to go look up uh the top 10 wide receivers not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And there's a lot of guys on this list. I'm like, ah, they're supposed to go in before Steve Smith. Um, yeah. Torrey Holt, um, Gary Clark, Washington Redskins, uh, member of the posse. He used to love the Redskins. Yeah. Andre Risen uh, is on this list. Wes Chandler from the uh, the Chargers back in the early 80s. Uh, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper, uh, the Marx brothers from uh, the Dolphins. Uh, neither one of them ran. Jimmy Smith from um, the Jaguars. Uh, actually, Smithy's record, uh, his numbers look better than, than Jimmy Smith. So Sterling Sharp, though, probably definitely yeah. be in, and he's not. Uh, Otis Taylor from the Chiefs, Henry Ellard from the, the Rams, Cliff Branch, uh, basically the the first speedy uh, receiver. Um, out of those guys, I, I, honestly, Torrey Holt, Sterling Sharp, and mm, maybe Andre Rosen, Gary Clark. Those guys probably should go in before. Uh, Steve Smith does so I don't know if Smith is going to be a first uh, now I don't think he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer but I think eventually he'll get in because I think yeah. he's I think he's top 10 top 11 in yards and catches or something like that so uh, in terms of Cam Newton I, I get in this argument with people all the time not as much now as he's not a Panther but I was on the record a couple years back I was like I think Cam has done enough at this point to be in the Hall of Fame um, I keep going back to a quote that uh, Bill Parcells used to always say where if, if you've been the league MVP in the NFL, that means you were the greatest at your position or the greatest player in this league for one full calendar year. That should be enough to get into the Hall of Fame. Like yeah. that's that should be the qualifier. And if you go to Cam's Wikipedia page and scroll down towards the bottom, there is this long list of records and achievements that he's done. And if you if you look through some of this stuff, some of this stuff's probably never going to get broken. Um, no. <laughs> Especially you know, like, from a running quarterback perspective. Yeah, because even like a Lamar uh, Jackson or someone, I don't know if they're going to be able to get to these. Like he he has the most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in NFL history with 70. That's still, you know, growing. Most passing yards by a quarterback in his first two games. Uh, most games in NFL history with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Most player of the week awards in a single season. He's tied with the GOAT Tom Brady with five. Uh, it's wow. just crazy looking through some of this stuff. He's the first player in NFL history to have 50 passing touchdowns and 25 rushing touchdowns in his first three seasons. That's like, incredible. It's just, and I can just go on and on and on and on with some of this stuff that he has on here. He has the second most five plus touchdown games in a single season. He had three. Uh, I think that was 2015. Um, the second quarterback to 300 passing yards and 100 rushing yards in a single game. It's just incredible. And, and people are like, ah, but he doesn't have a ring and blah, blah, blah. I don't think that matters. He has an MVP trophy. He has a rookie of the year trophy, uh, a bunch of rookie records. He was the offensive player of the year in 2015. I mean, I think his resume stacks up as it stands right now. And the last thing the league wants to see is Cam Newton win a ring with the New England Patriots, which exactly could easily <laughs> happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like people are like, I don't want to pick the Patriots. I, I think Miami's good and the Bills, Josh Allen, blah, blah, blah. I am not betting against New England. I don't care if Tom Brady's not there anymore. Like they... They typically will win 
not by beating the crap out of you. They'll just win by like three points. It'll be kind of a muddy whatever they have to do to get the win. Yeah, what happens? Whatever they got to do, and like people don't do that anymore. Like they want to like like have shootouts and like pass the ball fifty times and all this stuff. New England's just gonna do whatever they got to do to win. They'll play a tight defensive game. They'll keep the ball on the ground. Um, I'm not really concerned about. I don't think they would even plan to play Mac Jones uh, this season if they can get away with it. If Cam is healthy the whole year, why would you? You know, like just stick with Cam. And then gradually pass that torch over. So Cam Newton, Steve Smith, I thought were no brainers. I think it's funny that we picked the same four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is, I mean, you, you, if you really think about it, how young the Panthers franchise is, you know, 25 plus years. And they've had so many household names that, you know, like we just talked about, those four plus Greg Olson and, um, yeah. you know, Muhammad. Yeah, see, and, another guy. I was like, so ah. many other guys. I mean, even though he wasn't here. Yeah, had had a little bit of a stint. Yeah, so I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. so many guys that the Panthers have had, and I, I just think that, you, and, and, you, and you look at the current roster, and we're probably going to be saying the same thing in 10 years, you know, about Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it's just, it is Carolina Panthers fans, even though they have not got a Super Bowl, have been blessed to see a bunch of superstars in their own city. And Panther fans, it could be worse. We could be Browns fans or Lions yeah. fans or, you know, like a team that's never been to the Super Bowl. We've actually been twice in our infancy in the NFL. So I think sometimes uh, us as Panther fans, we're a little spoiled because sometimes we get success very quickly. And then when it goes away, it's like the national media just ignores us. <laughs> so we've kind of got this <laughs> complex going on with uh, a, little spoiled kid there. a little spoiled, but we'll get over it. Um, let's get out of here. That was uh, week two of the Believe in Panthers podcast for season two. Uh, from my, my co-host Skylar Callahan for the Believe Podcast Network, which you can follow on Twitter at Believe Podcast, and myself Desmond Johnson. Uh, we hope you'll be back next week. We'll recap Panthers versus Steelers. We'll see if Joey Sloss still has a job, and uh, <laughs> we'll just kind of get ready for uh, for the regular season. So, uh, to all the Panther fans out there, keep pounding! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.